Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. In today's podcast, I'm going to discuss a very simple rule or simple set of techniques we've developed to help people better understand and uh, utilize graphs or read uh, graphical data. I find that irrespective of the candidate's background, whether you have a PhD from MIT or Stanford or wherever it is, Fulbright Scholar, Rhodes Scholar, and so on, most candidates struggle to read graphs. And I find that candidates struggle to read graphs for two reasons. Firstly, there's the obvious reason whereby they just don't know how to read the x and y axis and what the data is telling them. But I think that that's the smaller problem because candidates eventually figure that out. But the bigger problem is what do they do with that data when they can read it? And I find that's where candidates struggle the most. So we invented something called the fish diagram. You don't have to call it the fish diagram if you don't want to. It's a four-step rule, which I've pretty much put onto this diagram, which looks like a fish when you draw it. You don't have to remember the fish diagram, but just remember the four-step rule to analyze a graph. So I think that when you look at a graph, right, let's assume that I gave you a graph, and I said, I look at this graph, which is looking at automobile purchases over the last 10 years across the 50 largest countries in the world. And what would you advise the CEO of Ford Motor Company by looking at this graph? So I think most candidates, what they'll do is they'll look at the graph and they'll just keep on reading the graph, right? They'll read the graph continuously and they'll constantly look at little data points in there that they can extract and give to the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And they'll be happy. They'll be proud of themselves if they can do that. In fact, most candidates would be very proud of themselves if they could extract five or six important findings from that graph and give it to the CEO of Ford Motor Company. If you did that in a real case, you'd probably be failed. I'll tell you why. If I had to tell you, let's assume I changed the case. Let's assume I said, take this graph for the same graph, exactly the same graph, but your client is now the CEO of BMW. Advise him. Now, the question I have to you when you're listening to this is, would you generate the same findings the same five or six findings that you gave the CEO of Ford, would you give the same five or six findings to the CEO of BMW? Think about that. The answer is actually no. The answer is no because the CEO of BMW and the CEO of Ford run very different companies, very different objectives, very different contexts, very different competitive environments. So if you give the same findings to different companies, you're not taking into consideration the objectives of the client. Now, what you need to do when you're given a case like this, and it's quite common, actually, where you're given a data piece and said, what do you do now? Step one is to assume the objectives of the client. So what I would have done is I would have said, okay, thank you for this graph. It uh, looks quite interesting. Before we begin, you haven't told me much about the CEO of Ford Motor Company. I'm going to assume that his objectives would be to obviously increase shareholder value, but specifically to look at how to manage the recession in Europe and declining sales of cars and how to expand into fast-growing emerging markets. Those are the things I generally know about Ford, but if you have any additional objectives, I'll be happy to incorporate it. Assuming those are the objectives, now let's look at the data points, right? 
Then you look at the graph. So step two is you look at the graph. Now, don't get into a very bad habit people have of being happy the more individual insights they extract from a graph. That's a very bad mistake. In fact, McKinsey specifically tests for this. I mean, I know they test for this, right? What they will look for is not whether you're able to extract six or seven different insights from one graph. They're able to see if you can deduce what is the overriding insight by comparing and contrasting the six or seven insights you extracted. For example, let's assume the graph showed that developed markets were slowing down, emerging markets were growing rapidly, but of the emerging markets, it was, let's say, Brazil, Indonesia, and I don't know, China that's growing rapidly. Rather than telling the interview, well, my first insight is developing markets are growing slowly. My second insight, um, Brazil is a good place to be in. My third insight is Indonesia is a good place to be in. My fourth insight is China is a good place to be in. My fifth insight is Europe is bad, it's slowing down. My sixth insight is that it looks like the whole of South America is slow without Brazil. You're just throwing out your data. That's not useful. What you need to do is you need to merge all of those insights into one idea. And the one idea would be something along the lines of, well, I can see here that the traditional markets that Ford has operated in the so-called developed markets is slowing down dramatically with the exception of just a few countries. And most of the growth is taking place in emerging markets, but primarily emerging markets with large populations and those that where Ford has had a presence for a long time, like Indonesia and Brazil and so on. I assume that's in the data. But you notice what I did? I didn't just throw out individual pieces of analysis or insights. I threw out one consistent story from there, right? That's the second step. The third step is to then look at the data or the insight you develop from the graph Look at the objective and generate an hypothesis. Now, well, let's talk about an hypothesis because I think most people don't know how to even develop an hypothesis. An hypothesis must always not be obvious. You can't tell me my hypothesis we need to go into emerging markets because that's kind of obvious, right? It's like saying don't run on a mine that's on the ground. You may be killed. You know, that's kind of obvious. You're saying nothing of value. Let me just give you some advice on the way you develop hypotheses. In, in an hypothesis, you must always state what you think the solution is or what you think the client should do. Because in this case, the question is, what would you advise the CEO of Ford? So hypothesis must be what you think the recommendation to the CEO of Ford would be and why. If you only say what you think the recommendation would be and you miss out the why part, the reasons, you don't have an hypothesis that can be tested, right? And you'll ultimately fail. So yeah, I would say my hypothesis is that I think that Ford needs to find ways to expose itself to growth in emerging economies while defending market share in developed economies, where although there's not a lot of growth, the growth rate is slower, the absolute sales is probably going to be very high at this point. Because remember, there's a difference between growth. Growth is a rate of increase, and a rate of increase can be high of a low base versus absolute sales, which can be high of a low growth base. Right, so that is my hypothesis. I would say defend your market share in developed economies and look to expand emerging economies, but particularly in markets where Ford already has an established infrastructure. And I would say with markets where Ford doesn't have an established infrastructure, but where we think growth is going to be substantial and where we think the market will be large in the long term, we can look at making new investments there, right? And my reason for saying that is X, Y, Z. You must have you must have the hypothesis and the reason. Now, just a couple of things on your hypothesis. Keep your hypothesis tight. You notice I just spoke about growth, yeah. Some people will put in, they'll talk about growth, they'll talk about pricing, they'll talk about marketing, they'll talk about channels, do not do that. Your hypothesis must cover one concept only. As soon as your hypothesis covers multiple concepts, you're dead. It's never going to work, and I don't want you to actually do that, right? 
So what you need to do is you need to develop an hypothesis around one concept. I developed it around targeting extra growth or investing in extra growth. You build your hypothesis. And then the fourth step is you need to tell me what data you need to test this hypothesis, right? And this is the part people consistently fail. I would say that when I'm doing interviews, this is the part most people mess up because they don't think it's important. I find many candidates so pleased with themselves and they've just been able to develop an hypothesis that when they actually go about and develop a, a set of data tests they need to run to test the hypothesis, they fail because they think the hard work's done. But to be honest, the hard work lays in the tests. So you need to look at what is the data you exactly need to test this hypothesis and ignore all other data. If you give me data that you're just giving me for interest's sake to cover your back, for lack of a better word, I'm going to fail you because I think you're not being very structured and disciplined in your analysis. The data test I would need here is I would need to say, okay, let's look at the size of each of the markets. Let's look at the growth of each of the markets. Let's look at then the investment Ford is making in each markets. Then I'd want to separate those two into two groups. Markets where are slow growing, but Ford has a large presence and we need to defend it. I'd like to look at what the investment would be to defend that. Then I'd like to look at fast growing markets where Ford has a presence and does not have a presence. In the markets where Ford has a presence, I would like to look at the investment required to increase our market share. And the market where Ford doesn't have a presence, what would it cost us to enter those markets? And ultimately what I want to see is that does the net gain from doing all of those things exceed the net cost of making all those investments to either take market share, expand market share, or defend market share, right? To the point. So whenever you're given a graph to read, always remember this. You have to assume an objective or they'll give you an objective. You then have to read the graph, but don't just read individual data points. Look at what all those individual data points are telling you together. Third, generate an hypothesis, and the hypothesis must be telling you something that you can't see and it's not obvious. And it must be an hypothesis, a linked to the objective of why you're reading that case in the first place. Hypothesis must be split into two parts. First part is what you think the solution is or what you think the problem is and why. There has to be a why. And then the tests you need to do to test that hypothesis. You've got to keep it very tight. Now, we had a candidate from Yale recently who I felt was a very good candidate, actually. But she was struggling a little bit by, I think, being a bit verbose when she wasn't sure what to say. So we invented something called the one-line test for her. And we force her to do cases like this all the time now. We'll give her a graph to read and we'll tell her you only have one sentence. One sentence to explain the assumed objective. One sentence to explain what you see in the graph. One sentence to tell me what the hypothesis is. And one sentence to tell me what data you need. So basically, you're going to answer this case in four sentences. It actually has a big impact on her because it forces her to be very concise. It forces her to think about what are the most important things. And, and to be honest, the danger with most candidates is not that they don't know the right answer. They don't know that the answer they're giving is right. What do I mean by that? Well, I see it with a lot of candidates. They'll tell me the right answer, but then because they're not sure if that's the most important answer, they'll tell me a whole lot of other things that's wasting my time and their time and sucking out all the oxygen from the room as well. The point is that you want to be the kind of person who is going to be forced to prioritize. And by forcing you to give the answer in one sentence you are being forced to prioritize. And I think it's a very good test. If you're one of those people who struggles to speak concisely, practice the one-sentence test. It kind of, you know, it's a brutal way to get you to speak concisely, but I think it works. This candidate has improved, I think, quite a lot by applying the one-sentence test. I mean, she's not perfect, but she's showing a lot of improvement, I think. I think that's what's most important at the end of the day. But just remember the way you need to analyze graphs. Think of this FISH rule or this four-step rule. Apply the one-sentence test. 
one sentence to each of the parts, which gives you four sentences in total. And even if you try two sentences, I'm okay with it. The point is that you are trying to be concise and you have a way to measure conciseness. Most people don't have a way to measure conciseness. You know, they speak for two minutes, for one minute, how many words? Now I'm telling you a measure of conciseness is one sentence for each step. If you give two sentences, I'm okay with it. The point is you can see how far away you are from the true measure of conciseness. And that's the reality. It's not that most candidates are bad. They just don't know what good looks like. And even when they see what good looks like, there's no way for them to un notice the underlying pattern and then measure their own performance. So here, when you're reading graphs, I'm giving you a metric to use. You use one sentence, use two sentences, it's fine. Just make sure that you are thinking about what you're saying and measuring what you're saying, and you'll be fine. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.